So if it's not being supplied, ask yourself why. It's not, Lord, you look, it appears as if you have forgotten what's going on with my life. Lord, are you aware that next week school's, school's resuming again? No. That's not, that's not effective prayer for believers. It's not effective prayer. Jesus told us clearly. So if things are not being, one of the ways you, things you can derive from his words is that if something is not being supplied, then it's because you are not seeking the right thing. Because he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all other things will be added to you. So if they are not being added, you are not seeking the right thing. Otherwise, you are telling me my Jesus is lying. Are you getting my point here? If they are not being added, you are not seeking what is right. If they are seeking what is right, they will be added. He said, but I, I used to say, I have not been seeking what is right for, for this length of time. God has not done this for me. Sometimes God said, that thing you are asking for, I won't do it because if you were really seeking me properly, you will know you don't need it. Many things in life motivate our prayers. And, and some, many of those things, God is just angry. Let me put it like that. He's displeased. He is displeased. People are praying, for example, maybe for breakthrough. And what do they need the money for? It is so that they can obey what they have read in the business book concerning their future. That they need to buy stocks in blue chip companies and have landed property because their children are growing right now. And because by the time your children are reaching the age of uh, you know, their middle teens and they are beginning to go to university, you will need money. And the man has come, and they've told you that you need, you know, you've read books that says that the stock market increases by this particular percentage every year. And you've calculated the amount of money you need for retirement. You have to put this aside. If you are working for, th- you know, they have apps that can calculate those things for you. They have spreadsheets that will calculate for you. Your current savings, how old you are, how old you, how long do you have to work before retirement? And how much money you need to have in store before you retire, if your old age is going to be comfortable. All of those, I hope you are aware, they are ungodly. No matter how nice they sound, Jesus said it clearly, in clear terms. We are too afraid to obey him, so we reason around those things. He said it clearly. Don't worry about tomorrow. He said, sufficient unto the day is what? The evil thereof. That is, if I send you something, it solves the problem for today. I'm not solving the problem of tomorrow. The challenge of Christianity is to trust God. That is the challenge of Christianity. To say, Lord, I, this thing you said, I actually believe it. Because Americans, I'm not saying they are bad people, thank God for their lives. They control most of the world right now. So their culture is being spread everywhere. Even most people spell their English now. Why? Microsoft Word is what most computers in the world, alright? And if it's mobile phones, most of them use 99% of mobile phones in the world. 99.99% of mobile phones in the world and tabs use American products. Either you are using Android, or you are using iPhone, uh, iOS, or you are using Windows. On these three lie all the law and the prophets of mobile phones. So you even speak their English. American culture is everywhere. They teach us how to dress. Most of the television programs watching the world come from them. Biggest news networks come from the U.S., in the same manner, they teach us how to plan their future, our future according to their own standards. So we buy American plan for our destiny. So Americans tell you, you must have treasure laid up on the earth for your retirement. And you believe it. And Jesus says something clear, straight, unhindered. Don't lay treasure on the earth. He said, if you do, thieves will break in and steal. And must will destroy it. 
Working with God, eh? You have to make up your mind. Do I want to do this faith? Or I don't want to do it. If you want to do it, please. You know, and God prefers those who say they don't want to do it. To those who say they want to do it, but don't do it. They are they will lukewarm people. He said, I will spit you out of my mouth. That you are disgusting. They give you a drink. What is this? It's expired product. This yogurt was open since two weeks ago. I'm not in the fridge. That's how Christians are. Who claim to be believers, but they are not actively believing God's word. They want to use Bible. They want to claim to believe, but use worldly principles to secure their lives. So many prayers are founded upon some of these doctrines. And that the Lord doesn't answer. And then we add fasting to it. You know, Christians are funny. You know, we actually believe that God can't say no. Who said so? He has said some no's already. If you read your Bible, you know your, the answer to your prayer is what? No. It's clear. Said, Lord, it's for the future of my children. I want to do this one. God said, the answer is what? No. You know, I'm retiring in eight years' time. Or no, in 21 years' time. I have to start putting money aside now. Lord, supply extra so I have enough to save. God said, my answer is what? No. The no was written before you were born. First, I had printed that said no. You know the truth? Many Christians don't do what God says. The world tells you, eat this amount, eat this amount, and save this amount. You must save 10% of your income. Abi, is that not what the person they say? No, when I want to reason, when I see Christians say some of this, it just makes me laugh. I don't know which Bible you are reading. No. The priority, when you earn, God says is what? Giving. But you know, we don't believe this heaven thing. We don't. It's a late treasure in heaven. Do you know we don't believe it? If you have more money out of your last year's income in the bank that you have in heaven, you don't believe it. Think about it, you don't believe it. We've had banks in Nigeria that have been shaky. CBN and NDIC still sacked some MDs some months ago. They sold some banks a few some weeks ago. Assume it, let's call one of those banks. Okay, what do we call one of those banks? Let's call it Shaky Bank, all right? If there is shaky bank, and then there are some banks that have not, they have been unshaking for years, and you have money, will you go out and go and put it in a shaky bank when the stable banks are there? No, common sense. Will you do that? Yes, Why? You know some of them are stable. If you put your money on the earth, and you don't put it in heaven, you are saying heaven is uncertain, earth is surer. Don't, look, listen, that's what you are saying. Your actions speak louder than this word. You know, in church, you can repeat after me. My treasure, my treasure, I laid up, I laid up in heaven. You can repeat it. At the end, lay the treasure, let us see now. If you are really walking by faith, giving is priority when you end. It's not the last thing. And there are many scriptures for it. And you know I'm not trying to raise money. So those of you coming for the first time, relax. You are safe. You know when we go to church and pastors start like this, people start fidgeting. Oh God, <laughs> they start fidgeting today, today. I told the one woman enter church one day. You see the minister, he go back. <laughs> Went to her car and locked her bag inside the boot, and came back to church with small money in the purse. Say this man, you won't get me today. <laughs> no, we are just telling the truth concerning money. As a matter of fact, believers. Giving is a habit. You must make it a habit. It's priority. 
It's priority. It's priority. It's, it's priority. It's part of It's priority. Because that's how you lead treasure in heaven. Treasure in heaven is not really the cash you are giving. It's not really. No, it's not. Treasure in heaven is faith that you deposit in heaven. But that faith must always be shown by what you do. Faith that is not expressed through works is dead. What am I going to say? That's the problem we have a lot of times. We are obeying physical things. We are obeying what Jesus said will not work. They will now bring you to prayer. Say, Lord, break your word. <laughs> Declare that what Jesus said is no longer relevant in 2017. After all, Jesus was not in Nigeria. So I'm praying that you will do what Jesus said you don't do normally. So that Robert Kiyosaki will be proven right. The, your word might fail, but Robert Kiyosaki's plan for future investment must not fail. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God say, if I shoot somebody, says the devil. Right now, I'm the one that will shoot if you don't get, get off from that place. And of course, you don't hear him say it. You come back next day. Hallelujah. Let us worship. Let us worship. It is as you are worshiping that God begins to answer. Everybody starts worshiping. Hey, hallelujah. We worship you. The prayer answering God. Then you start the prayer again. Lord, we need to lay treasure on the earth. How would the unbeliever stand there and have more treasure on the earth than us? Does it make sense? You are the God of all treasure. We will lay our treasure on the earth. Answer now, so God doesn't answer. Return the next day. Say today, we have to worship what? Fasting. After one week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, faith by that time is near zero. Pastor, you call prayer, nobody answers you. Everybody has gone to fish. <laughs> and they say, God is not answering prayer. He answers prayer. But the prayer points over the last one month have been centered around, Lord, disobey yourself. Believe me, two things amplify prayer. I said it. What? Faith and righteousness. What is righteousness? Is that which we achieved in Christ Jesus. Please, I need to, we can't say these things enough. What is righteousness? Righteousness is the reason why God talks to you. What is righteousness? Righteousness is the reason why he pays attention when you open your mouth to speak. That's the meaning of righteousness. That is the beginning and the end of righteousness. It's the reason why he talks to you. It's the reason why he responds to you. So how do you come to that position in which when you pray, you are highly esteemed in heaven? The Bible says, Hearing is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. The just shall live or acquire righteousness by faith. That's it. So what is the faith? Do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? Yes. Do you believe that you have been cleansed from your sins by the reason of the shedding of his blood? The answer is yes. Are you coming to him on any other basis apart from this? The answer is no. That's righteousness. So it is wrong, therefore, for when you want to pray, to even remotely somewhere in the corner of your heart be thinking of why you deserve the answer. You come to God knowing you deserve nothing. That the only reason why you are here and you are accepted here is because Jesus paid for it. So if you are asking God for money, you don't remind him of what you give. If you are asking God for a blessing, you don't remind him of your moral lifestyle that has been good. If you are asking for God for help, you don't remind him of the people you have helped. You don't. You don't. 
Anytime you do that, you've taken yourself out of the realm in which God is answering you based on what Jesus did. He's not answering you based on what you have done. And anytime you start that, Satan comes in. Don't forget, Satan is not too far away. And he can come before God. You can, you've seen the book of Job. He can open his mouth and speak. So what you do, you stay in a place where he can't talk. Where is it that he can't talk? Once you're abiding in Christ. He can't talk. That's righteousness. Righteousness means I want to pray. I don't feel inferior to a white man. I don't feel inferior to anybody because of my environment. I know my standing is because of what God did for me in Christ Jesus. That's my standing. I don't feel like I'm better than somebody else. That's, you know, that's another part of it. Because it's easy for us to believe that God, the blood of Jesus has cleansed us. It's for us to believe he cleansed somebody else. That is a real test. Just by the way, if you want your life to balance all your life, young man, young woman, watch how you judge people you want to marry. I won't say much more than that. Watch how you judge them. Watch how you judge them. That's what I can say. The criteria for judging people. You are single. Man won't marry you. Or you, now you won't marry. You, man, you are the one that wants to marry. Or you are being chased as a woman. Just watch the things you say about the person. You don't have to marry everybody. Are you getting my point? You can't. I mean, how many people are you going to marry? I mean, I've been at this marriage business for a long time, and I've been, it's still one. So it's right there for, for you to reject proposals. You have to turn proposals. You can't come to church and be <laughs> issue now your, your proposal card like a complimentary card to all the women in church. <laughs> you can't do that. Even if you must do all of that, it's one at a time. Sister Angela must say no before you may go to another one. You can't give a propo- uh, Angie proposal like this, and then after she finishes collecting, you ah, uh, and then me sister, sister, give me another name. Sister Mercy is coming. You give another card. That's my proposal. Thank you about marrying me. It's not an invitation to perform. Are you getting my point? <laughs> so when it comes to marriage, of course you can't marry everybody. We'll, we'll pretty well understand that. Is there a criteria for exclusion or for refusal that we are talking about? Two things you must bear in mind. Judge people according to what God has done for them in Christ. is proof that you believe that God has done something for you also in Christ. Two, judge according to the unity of the body. There is one Lord. There is one faith. There is one Father of all. Don't ever forget those two things. You are not allowed to divide the body of Christ and you must not insult the blood of Jesus. Now, I know why I went through that. So, I was trying to explain the fact that, so, two things, righteousness and what? Faith. Alright, that's how we get our prayers answered. So, righteousness is that thing we have only because of Jesus. It's not because of what we have done, what we have done. It's not because of what we have achieved. It's not because of any other thing that's residing in us, but the faith that we have in Christ Jesus. So, when we're speaking to the Father, we remember that. And like I say, if sometimes maybe, I mean, you just gave a massive offering. You, you give an offering that pained, you know that kind of thing. It pained you. You deprived yourself. So that kind of thing builds confidence, all right, to the flesh. The flesh wants to go and pray for money. It starts thinking, Father, in the name of Jesus, I receive from you. It says with the mouth, but inside the heart, why won't you give to me? <clears throat> did I not give to people yesterday? You saw what I did now. When that, those kind of thoughts cross your mind, you must reject them. You must reject them. And how do you reject them? Open your mouth and say it. Just say to the Lord, say, Lord, I'll be honest with you. I know you can see my heart, but let's talk about it. 
yesterday, out of the money I had, I gave out more than 75%, both for the work of the ministry and for helping people. That is now making me confident to come and pray. I want to let you know that I accept that that is a sin and I am not coming on that basis. Just say it like that. I'm coming on the basis of what God has done for me in Christ Jesus. That is righteousness. Are you getting my point? That is what gives you the power to talk. That's why your voice, your words will be filtered, all right, appropriately and will enter into the presence of God so that God can hear you. Alright, the second thing, which is actually where I was going, but my time is really fast spent now, is the issue of that faith. Faith cannot be present except desires are produced by the word of God. Let me say that again. Faith cannot be present in your heart unshaken except your desire is produced by the word of God. I need to say that one more time. You can try to have faith. You can think you can steal your heart to have faith, but you will falter. James makes declare that the one that is, uh, is unstable is like a wind tossed to and fro, or like, it's like the sea, like the wave of the sea, tossed to and fro. He says it's unstable. Let such a one not think he will receive anything from the Lord. It is not possible not to shake, because what shakes you is not your heart, is the external forces that bombard your heart. The wave, the wave is not being shaken by himself. It's being shaken by what? The wind. So what makes somebody steady is a foundation of the request. If the, you can't just by yourself say that I will not shake. The wind will shake the ship on the, on the uh, what do you call it? On the sea, except he has an anchor. The wave will move up and down if the wind is blowing on it. So for your desire to be Backed by faith in your heart, it must be produced by the word of God. That's why we need to read this particular scripture. Open your Bible, read the book of John chapter 15. So like we're saying, so how does God answer us? It's if we ask according to his will. And like I'm saying, that will is something that is written, something that is clear. So how will I know my desires are according to the will of God? And that's what I'm teaching. It is because, it will be because that desire has been filtered or produced by God's word. If it's not produced by the word of God, it will shake. If it's not produced by the word of God, it will falter. Your heart will falter. The Lord Jesus says something here. Uh, okay, well, I'm going to start from verse... Uh, let me see which verse we start from. The statement I want is in verse um, 7. But let me just read a few things. He said, Abide in me, verse 4, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. He now said, if you abide in me, verse 7, I've jumped to verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. He said, my father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Let me stop here, alright, just to save time. Now, why did I read this? You ask whatever you wish. That's what Christians often focus on. Just ask the Father. And that is true. You should ask. But Jesus gave conditions. I've heard people say that when Jesus said, whosoever shall say to this mountain, it just meant whosoever. But I always say that, don't forget he was speaking to his disciples. So the Bible oftentimes has what they call implicit conditions. They are not explicit. That is, it's not there on the surface. You have to look closely to see that they are there. Let me give an example. 
God said, did I not say that your whole family will remain as priests for me forever? He said, now far be it from me. Why? Because even though I said it, I only honor those that honor me. That means such promises are only for those who honor me. So even though you think you've heard it, you don't qualify for the fulfillment of it. Why? I can't find honor for God in your life. But somebody will say that God has said that I will be a priest forever before him. Yeah. Because if you read your Bible well, you will have known that such promises are for people that regularly honor God. Sometimes, sometimes the Lord Jesus will say something. Say, if you shall say to this mountain, be thou removed. He wasn't talk, He didn't say that on the mountain. He said it to his disciples. He didn't say that to the multitude. He said those things to his disciples. You must be careful that, that you observe who the Lord Jesus was speaking to before you interpret his words. So when he spoke to his disciples, he was saying to them, when he says, speak to this mountain, it's because you are my disciples, that's what I'm telling you, you can speak to a mountain. People do disrespect me, dishonor me, they can do anything they want to do. If they speak to a mountain, it will not move. Here you see him saying it clearly. You will ask the Father for whatever you wish. What is whatever you wish? You don't just come up to God because some people, you know, sometimes we think about as Christians, all right? We think that God, we had a teaching that God doesn't ever say no. Yes, he never says no if he can hear. <laughs> it's whether he will hear is the issue. It's not just that we take up whatever we want and just ask the Lord for it and he will just grant it. Those days when we started learning faith, that was the impression we had. So you sit down and just cook up every, any idea. Many desires are stimulated by the world. And for that reason, it does not fit the condition that guarantees that God will fulfill them. People wake up and ask things that they can't ask from their father. And they ask it from God. And I want to say they can't ask from their father. I mean that, I don't, I'm not talking about power. I mean, for what I mean, ability. I'm talking about unreasonableness. A girl wants to go and play, say, God, my husband to be must be half caste. You know, if your father hears it, he will think you, 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 that the, the, the Indian hemp you smoked must have been grown in Ondo State. Because, you see, <laughs> the law, you know, the kind of thing you can't ask your father, you come, you come and ask God for it. Things that you know, they are, and the one I told you now, as an example, I've heard of people that did it. And God says, why half cast? Then you hear a bunch of rubbish. And they kneel down and open their mouth and pray. Some will kneel down and say, God, my husband must be rich. And God will say, did you say you gave your life to Christ? Or you're joking about it? I'm telling you. We come up to prayer with desires produced by the world. Produced by anxiety. Produced by worldliness. And, you know, we now want to use methods. They say, worship, worship, worship. Then we worship over the desire. So a seed to tie the hands of God. So that even if he wants to go, he can't go. You have tied him. He must answer this prayer. And you will believe it because you are walking in the flesh. The spirit is not helping you understand anything. And they say, what promise are you standing upon? That says that God will do this. Say the promise. He said, whatever we shall ask in his name, he will do it. Whatever I'm saying to you today has conditions. Whatever is not just whatever that comes from wherever. 
The whatever is the whatever that comes from interacting with the word of God. Anytime you interact with God's word, it produces desires in you. Desires come from interaction. There are, listen to me. There are few desires that are innate in human beings. And all of those ones, God guaranteed that he will satisfy them. Hunger. God said, that's my duty. I take care of it. First, that's my duty. Few of us have ever had the, this, uh, the opportunity to pray to God for water. Very few. So, very few. I'm not saying it never happened, but very few. We almost take water for granted. You're thirsty, you start looking for water. You're so confident there's water around that if you don't have, you knock on a stranger's door and say, please give me water to drink. And they don't think you're strange. Water is just so everywhere. It's because God did it like that. But beyond the things that are basic and innate, every desire is generated from interaction. Every desire. The kind of phone you want is because you saw it. You saw it somewhere. That's why it became a prayer point. This is interesting part. The kind of wife you want, you also saw it. You saw it. Listen, you know, that's how human beings are. We don't have the capacity to generate desires by ourselves. Desires come into us through interaction. God said to Satan, he said, because of the multitude of your merchandise, your business tradings, you have filled the midst of you with violence. It's a multitude of interactions that led to it. So God said, you want sure answer to prayer? Go and rearrange where your desires are coming from. He said, if you abide in me, and my word abides in you, the word that abides in you will prompt desires. One of the projects we have in hand now, Umbra mentioned the other day, in fact, before I even said it, my friend Pastor Curry, when he was preaching, you know, I was there, he made a statement, when he was making the statement, I wrote it down that, no, I have to go to the Bible and check the prayer points that the Lord gave. After I made up my mind, he said, look, he just opened his mind, said, one of the things Christians must do is to go to the Bible and note the prayer points that the Lord gave. I said, I just made up my mind from the message he was preaching. That I need to mark it in my whole... And I've already started already. You must understand, what, makes, what does it mean to be a Christian? It's for you to love what God loves. Are, are you getting my point? That's what Christianity is. You love what he loves, and you desire what he desires. If he says this thing is bad, you just make up your mind, it is bad. For example, I don't know why I'm talking about single people today. You're a single man, you saw one young woman, or more, this girl, fine. When she opens her mouth, sounds like the will of God, the way she talks. Then one day you now discover, oh, she's from the, maybe you are very worldly in your thoughts, so she's from the local government that your father likes. All those things seem to be okay. Then you discover one day, shortly after you got to know her, that this girl is not a serious believer. You know what the Bible says? Instantly, you are forbidden from desiring her beauty. And it's not, you, you, you just tell yourself, oh, forget it. Next time you see her, you train yourself with that. Yeah. No, forget it. Ah, your friend said, that sister, you, that lady we were talking about, how far? Oh, don't mind her. I thought she was a Christian. That the one we were talking, when she opened her mouth, said, oh, forget that fine English. Now there you end Unbelief consolidated. I just said that. Are you getting my point? You see, the word of God has generated something for you. That's what I'm talking about. 
Listen, interacting with God's word produces desires. That's what I'm talking about. We begin to, if God says something is good, I, I mean, let me give you an example. You know, we were talking earlier about money. That the first thing about money is not saving, is giving. Not even spending for yourself is giving. One of our brothers told me one day that he had a testimony of somebody that gave a large amount of money. And suddenly, the desire came upon him. It was a testimony that this must be done. It, are you getting my point? See, desire generated. The same brother told me that the one day I was talking with one of his colleagues, and the fellow told him the amount of money he had put, let me put like treasure he had laid up on the earth. And he saw that this young man had laid up a million dollars, his age, on the earth, through saving, through investment and stuff like from Nigeria. He said he went home and told his wife, ah, my dear wife, if a man is this diligent to lay up treasure on the earth, Jesus said, lay up your treasure where? In heaven. He said, how diligent have we been in laying our treasure in heaven? I don't know whether you get my point. His desire was not, me too, I must have on the earth. So he said, no, Jesus told us, lay up to your treasure, not on the earth, but in heaven, where moths don't destroy and thieves don't break in and steal. Instantly he asked himself, how much treasure have I laid up in heaven? Can you see desire? So when some people go to prayer, all right, they start praying and say, Lord. Now he's not competing with his friend. Now it's obvious not competition. But when he refers to that person, he's in a good way. Say, Lord. See people who are passionate. Ah, that kind of passion to lay up treasure. Give it to me so I can lay it in heaven. Are you seeing that? Listen, if we pray the kind of prayer God likes to hear, he will answer us so quickly. We wonder why, why we have not been praying every day all our lives. The problem is that when you are praying, sometimes it takes God six weeks to explain to you that this prayer is not good. It is not as if he couldn't have answered the first day. He said the prayer is not good. Let me give an example. The prince said he was praying about healing. Using the word of God. It took a while. He said, but by the time the healing came, I had learned so much scripture. The word of God had filled me so much that when the healing came, I thanked God that it took that long. Because looking for the healing, I was focused on the word of God. So many times, things take a process. What the Lord is doing is changing us. Say, oh boy, that prayer point is not good. I'll give you, you know, an interesting example. When I was in school, my final year, there was a crisis on campus. So the vice chancellor shut the whole school. Everybody go home. Except that our dean decided that there had been too many interruptions over the last few years. 89, there were SAP riots. Schools in Nigeria were closed for five, year, five months. So, and then for those of us in med school, we don't have where to buffer. The rest of the school, you buffer with um, long holidays. We don't have that. So if the if 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 school closes for five months, <laughs> let me tell you the truth. My class, two years after 89, were still three months behind in graduation. We used to graduate in July. They managed to graduate the following year, maybe around, I remember December. That year was December they graduated. The following year, they moved it down to November. They were getting one month a year. Because they wouldn't shut down, shut the calendar for anybody. So they were looking for small, small places. They had this, their particular lens that each posting had to take. So by that time, they would say, we should, when the school should go on break, the dean just told all of us that it is school they closed, though. They didn't close his hospital. How you will do it, he doesn't care. Lectures continue inside the hospital. Everything continued like, like the school didn't close. So we were kicked out of the hostel, but clinical posts were going on. Make a long story short. 
I was so uncomfortable. I didn't have where to stay. I was just tossed to and fro. Finally, I, I just damned the consequences, packed my things, and went home. So clinical posting was going on. I was sleeping at home. And I knew because I was just tired. I didn't have anywhere to stay. So I had to just go home. Now, why am I telling this story? And I came back to school. When school reopened, so we moved back to the hostels. Except that when I arrived, we had for, this was my finals, second semester. We used to do medicine and surgery at the University of Benin. And it happened to my second postings were in surgery. So all that time I was at home, I was supposed to be taking my surgery posting. So when I returned, surgery posting was coming to an end. And it comes to an end, exam is like two weeks after that. Now, why am I telling the story? So the day of exam, oh boy, it was prayer time. That's what I'm talking about, prayer time. Clinical exam, you, you had to pass it. An, you, you know, no matter what well you did in the written work, that way I could be reading it at home, the written work. But the real clinical work, they are going to give you a patient, they are going to talk to you, you and your patient are going to be there, you are going to talk, you know, and you have two sides of that. So that way I knew I was dead meat. No, I was so certain that I was dead. So I needed to ask the Lord for mercy. I still remember I climbed to the top of one of our buildings on campus, and I began to explain to the Lord, that is, there's nothing I can do. So I said, Lord, please, I want to beg you for something. I, no, you see, when you're still doing, hey, God, God, don't, you never get a problem. When you, <laughs> when you have a problem, you will cool down and you will talk slowly. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> I, stood, I remember that day I stood there and like God. I said, tomorrow is clinical exams in surgery. I don't know anything. You know? I was just that simple, you know, sincere. Lord, I said, please, I'm begging you. I don't want to fail. I really don't want to fail. I want to pass. And that was the prayer. I was about to leave the place of prayer. I said, Lord, I want to ask you for something. I said, please, I don't want them to give me a case of hernia. I said, Lord, you understand the way it is with hernias. They are so simple that you don't make mistakes. Any mistake you make, they hang you. So I want a difficult case so that no matter how little I do, they will be happy. That was the philosophy in my class. I said, in Jesus' name, amen. There's only a thought came to my mind. You don't want a hernia or you want to pass. I said, I want to pass. <laughs> so I repeated the prayer. I said, Lord, I'm so sorry I told you about the hernia. I said, when you are speaking this tongue, you never get a problem with <laughs> I said, Lord, I'm so sorry I told you about the hernia. I don't mind the hernia, really. I just want to pass. In Jesus' name, amen. And I said, hey, by the way, Professor Fuebu is very wicked. <laughs> we had that was our thinking amongst our students. I said, can I just beg you that I don't get Professor Fuebu so that at least life will be easier for a child of God? In Jesus' name, amen. Then a thought dropped to my mind. You don't want Professor of Football, you want to pass. I said, Lord, I want to pass. Okay, all right, I'm sorry I mentioned anybody's name. Can I just beg you, Lord, please, I want to pass. In Jesus' name, amen. To save time, that was the end of the prayer. Next day we went, they shared that our patients, so you, 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 you stand here, stand here, stand there. So as soon as I got there, I saw the man. Guess what? Henia. I look, Lord, okay. Apparently, you were listening to that prayer. That's good. Henia, I'm telling you. So I went, 
did all the one I could remember. Of course, I need a theory, clear, clear, clear. Examination time was where the problem now was. So I did all I need to do, took all my notes, and asked the man, please, oh, I hope I didn't leave anything out. <laughs> my patient. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because the other students that had come, I did not told him that, oh, the other, the other guy did the rectal examination. I, I said, thank you, thank you. Quickly got my gloves, got my gloves, did the rectal exam, and then waited. So I waited. Then there's this professor that came from Calabar, external examiner. Very nice guy. Just passing everybody. Very nice. When he gets to you, he say, hello, my name is Professor So-and-so. I came all the way from Calabar. I wanted to know I'm just here to help you. I'm not here to harass you. So let's just see how much surgery you have learned. He was very sweet, you know, man. So the man was not examining my role. Oh, you know, God of miracles. <laughs> so as soon as he finished one of my classmates, he turned to head for my bed. The one guy sent by Satan. <laughs> he told him, tea break, sir. Tea break? Huh? I felt like, sir, please come. You drink your tea later. He told him tea break. How can you say tea break? For you know, in my life, I believe God is in my life. Now, not only from scripture, but from experience. They led this man away as I was watching him disappear to go and drink tea. So we stood there. Okay, no problem. I was just going through all the notes I had made, revising everything, making sure I didn't leave anything. I was just, then 15 minutes later, tea break was over. How did I know Professor Fuegu showed up? <laughs> Patient had a hernia. Examiner, Professor Fuegu. The two things the Lord and I had to rearrange. And they came with another younger consultant. And they came in, they sat down, present your case. I went on and on and on and on and on and on and on. He just kept what I was looking at, he didn't see anything. The man I dreaded, the thing that I feared the most had come upon me. He didn't see anything. The other man asked all the questions, asked all the questions, that's okay. Examine the patient while we watch. Okay, do this. There are some things you will do. Check this reflex, check this one, check this, check that. I was doing everything. Uh, then, there's something I was supposed to do. I did it wrongly. So the man got up and said, what do you think about what? He said, you are 2 cm above where you're supposed to put your finger. Ah, sorry, sir. So I, and he explained to me why. Ah, the whole thing went smoothly. You know, and it was bad after all. Then I said, okay, it's all right. As he was about to go, as I was so happy. Then the man that didn't want to talk opened his mouth. I said, well, let me just ask you a simple question. And I remember what I said in my mind. Thou art ensnared by the words of thy mouth. You say it's a simple question. It's going to be, I, I don't need jack word for a long time. So it says it's going to be a simple question in the name of Jesus. That's inside my heart. I said, thou art ensnared by the words of thy mouth. Because the man said, let me ask you a simple question. Then he asked the question, whether it's Holy Spirit, whether it's memorial, I knew what he wanted. As not he asked that question, ah, what are the possible complications if this kind of surgery was not Ah, ah, one more. I, I, don't, I just knew what he wanted to hear. I gave him the first one. He said, yes. I gave him a second one. He said, okay. Then number three, I said, oh, he could develop a hematoma. He said, good boy. Good boy. That's my boy. <laughs> ah! I still remember as I left that place, eh, I was walking in the days. <laughs> and one of our sisters, Cynthia, was in my class. He said, Panky, how was it? I couldn't talk. I just did like this. Because, you know, I'm talking about desires generated from the word of God. The worthy desire in my class is don't get the hernia, don't get this prof. It's dangerous. 
Holy Spirit said, do you, what do you want? You're trusting in me or you're trusting in human ideas? And I said to the Lord, no, this is exactly what I want. I want success in my endeavors. And, God, and you know, it's stuck in my head. The two things I feared, the Lord gave them to me and showed me there was nothing in them. Some of you are afraid of Nigeria because the economy... Look, you will go to America, you will beg. The people you left in Nigeria, they will be sending you money. So, boy, have you paid your rent? How much is the rent? Okay, let me send you $1,000. I know it's $600, but use the chain to buy something for the family. And there are times... <laughs> let me not start like this. <laughs> Tell the Lord, look, rise to your feet, let us close, let us close. And that thing that has been ailing you, I think it's a good time to pray. And look, remove all the, you know... We'll continue maybe next time the Lord allows us. Prayer is not... Look, the interaction with the Word of God develops the desires. That's what we're talking about. It develops desires. Many of our prayers, they are worldly. Pray a prayer that shows it is God you are depending on. Don't tell God, help me to depend on my idols. Many people do it. Say, Lord, give me more idols to depend upon. Give me more idols. And God says, how do I bring competition into my own life? Does it make sense to you? I say, don't worship other gods and I give you other gods. Please, let's just take a minute, everybody. We have just a few minutes because we are overstayed. Say, Lord, I repent of every other thing that I've been praying about that's not in line with your will. Just take a minute and say, Lord, and the Holy Spirit will, just, will point them out to you. The way you've been praying about husband, God said, I wasn't going to answer you in a million years. So it's good you came here this evening. I was not planning to answer you in a million years because you are asking me to break my own rules. The way you've been praying about the job also. The same thing. Because I've been watching you. You've been looking for a job that will empower vanity in your life. You have not asked me that you want to be a blessing to people. You have not asked me that where can I improve my righteous work? Where can I improve my skill? Where can Bezalel talk to me? You know, there are people that I've given the skill to impart something into your life. Where can that Bezalel that you have given this ability to teach, where will he talk to me? You have not prayed about that. You are praying about money. Why? Because you have idols in your heart. Because I wasn't planning to answer in a million years. Take a minute and repent. Now take another minute and make serious requests. Say, Lord, give me a man who together we will do your will. As it is written, draw me unto you, let us walk together. Say, Lord, the man I will walk together in your will. That's what I'm asking you for, that's all. You will supply all my needs. The man will not supply all my needs. You are the supplier. You are the supplier. I'm just a helpmate. Who is the person I'm supposed to walk with? That is the prayer for a husband. What is prayer for a wife? He's not, oh, God, give me a fine girl. He said, charm is deceitful. I want a girl that's very decent, knows how to behave. He said, beauty is vain. What is charm? Favor. King James says, Charm is, oh, the girl is nice. He says, deceitful. The girl is fine. He said, that one's even vain. He said, but the woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Ask the Lord, give me a woman who fears you, who understands purpose, who understands that she's coming into my life, so that two of us can obey you and manifest righteousness on the earth. Say, Lord, give me that kind of woman. Give me that kind of woman. You pray that kind of prayer, God will add other things to you. God will add other things to you. Pray now. Pray now. Pray, pray. Pray real prayers. Real prayers. Make real requests. The kind of one that God is quick to answer. Not spending seven weeks trying to correct you. Let's give him thanks. Let us give him thanks. Say, Lord, I thank you. Thank him for light. Thank him for light. Oh, it's good to have light in your eyes. It's good to have light before you. It's good to have understanding. So that you just won't be running to and fro. You know? Confused. 
Thank him for liberty that comes as a result of the entrance of the word. When I hear people talk, ah, I say, Lord, thank you, you didn't throw me into this darkness. Thank you, Lord, you didn't throw me into this darkness. Then ask the Lord one more time. Say, Lord, give me more light. Give me more understanding. Let me be filled with the knowledge of your will in a greater measure. He said, your word is sweet. It's liberating. It brings joy to my heart. Gladness to my spirit. Let us just give thanks. Say, Lord, we thank you for today. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. If you are blessed, give me an amen.